I would love it if you'd pray for me. Jesus, we just bless Kurt. Fill him with your spirit right now. Anoint his words, and, and we just say, Lord, help us to open our hearts to receive what you're saying. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Your, your pastors love you. Brian and Jade love you. You can trust them. They are looking. Whoa. All right. More God. More. More. All right. That was, yeah, that was an echo angel. You know, the, 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 the space-time continuum, for any of you into quantum physics, the interface of the invisible and the visible. Anyway, that was probably, possibly an amen from the other world. But anyway, Brian and Jade, look to your interests. I just want to commend them to you. They're a voice of clarity, They're, but, it, but it's perfectly matched with compassion. We need both, right? Clarity and compassion. They desire to wash your feet so they can learn why you walk the way you do. And then, and then they're able to look you in the eye and say, I love you as you are, but we both agree. We don't want to stay as we are. Let's, 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 let's walk. Let's learn to walk. You've got it from them. You've got equippers and confidence for you in your own story. So I just want to encourage you in that. So didn't tell you I was going to do that. I just needed to ambush at the front end. All right. So anyway, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, I'm, uh, thanks for giving me permission to be myself. All right, I don't know what I am exactly on Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, but I guess you'll figure, you'll probably decode it by the end, all right? I'm just going to really try uh, to, to, to stay in the zone and not go off into another world here. But I, I really, as I waited on the Lord about this morning, it was so clear to me, it was so, so clear to me that, uh, that we were to encounter the Lord through the lens of Psalm 42. We were to meet him and discover the surprise that the deepest place of our disappointments is actually the place where you're going to get to know him the deepest. The disappointments are a sign that the story is not over yet. At most, it's halftime. It's probably just the opening, you know, the ref firing the gun. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's actually the space creator for the one who fills you. Because all things are his, and he converts all things to value, and wastes nothing, and treats you as one who has the value of being in his image. He doesn't take for granted the chasms, the abyss, the empty space, the thing where the script was flipped And he encounters you there in a way you discern him the most. We need the Nicene Creed. And we need the paper and ink of Holy Scripture. There's no no book like it. It's anointed. It's fully inspired. It's a living document. Like like Logan Airport. You know, it's just, okay, we we don't want to just examine the concrete of the tarmac, although we do want to make sure it's solid, right? But it's the place from which we launch into our own personal and corporate encounters with the, li- the living God. And this scripture 
I think it's just, you have to remember, it was written by a man on fire. And it's, it's like snapshots, it's like sound bites of something that happened. And on the bigger picture of the Psalms, okay, this is the Old Testament era. The priests of the Hebrews, again, we, we have it so good. They had all the puzzle pieces upside down, you know. There's something here, we know. It's full color. We don't know what it is. We're longing to know what it is. We have the puzzle pieces right side up. We have the word made flesh. The one through whom it all becomes clear. The one through whom our disappointments and our sorrows actually become a river. A bonding agent with with the Lord. So anyway, all that to say, oh, I'm echoing here. Am I talking too loud? Are you rolling with me? Okay. What am I doing? Okay. Okay. Is that good? All right. Am I okay? Okay. So the cool, the cool thing about the Psalms, okay, the priests were tutoring the Hebrews on how to communicate with God. And they marched through book one, two, three, four, five. And it starts with a whole lot of lament and sorrow. And as it marches on, it becomes more and more praise. Never quite forget sorrow, but everything is kind of swallowed up in this. Hello. I wonder, could I have a, like a, yeah. All right. Is that okay? Just take that off. This will be easier. All right. So sorry. Sorry about that. And I'm very conscious of some Texas accent coming through. So anyway, but uh, I, I'm a little self-conscious of that. All right. But um, although I did live in Waltham for a year, so you are in my bone marrow. And my father was born in Rhode Island. So my root, I claim New England as part of my root stock. But all that to say, all that to say, Psalm 42 is the opening of book two. And it's meant to teach you how to engage the Lord through your sorrows and come out the other side with encounter. And, you know, the whole theme here of rejoice always is a really good theme. But as opposed to just the power of positive thinking, okay, it's, it's, not, it's not an equipping to compartmentalize your sorrows, but to claim your sorrows as raw material, for bonding with the one who died for you, the man of sorrows, and came back from the dead with the anointing of joy above all companions, Psalm 45. You've got to understand, you've got great raw material in your disappointments to become someone who rejoices always out of a place of awe, not out of a place of personally psyching yourself up, if that makes any sense. So where was I? All right. All right. All right. So I really, I believe that when Jesus said, um, I'm just going to keep the professor glasses on. Is that okay? All right. Um, uh, I, you know, when Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, hey, out of the, the inner being of someone who follows me, rivers of living water will come. I think he was thinking of this and several other Old Testament verses. You'll see later. But it's a different angle on on. On, um, on stuff, you know, you know, there's a difference between complaining and lamenting. Complaining and lamenting. Complaining is the pointing of the finger from a hardened heart or from hurt, right? And, and, but, but lamenting is the pouring out of what you're hurting about because you're hungry for more. You're hungry for more. So I want to validate that you've got some things to talk to God about. 
but I want to equip you. It's not with the pointing of the finger, the blame-shame thing. What did they do wrong? What did I do wrong? It's, Lord, this is wrong. I'm hungry for more of something that will help me overcome and turn this thing right side up. And really, hunger is a core value for us. It really is. So I just want to... Before I kind of march through a few of these verses here, just a question I've got. Are you you panting for more of God or or are you pouting? Are you panting or are you pouting? All right? And I am the chief of pouters, okay? I I was raised by great self-sacrificial parents who read Dr. Spock. Not Spock as in Star Trek, but, you know, Dr. Spock. That, that really innovative book about let children be free to be the genius slash monsters they are. You know, kind of, so I got everything I wanted. I got everything I wanted. I learned the power of emotional manipulation. And, and, and as I walked with the Lord, it was just a default. You know, it was kind of like, you know, the MS-DOS motherboard still in the MacBook. You know, this thing back here that kept operating when I was disappointed. And I had times to be disappointed when the Taliban took all my possessions, put them in a truck, dumped them in a compound with more than a dozen other families' home, uh, families' possessions. And then once the Taliban fell, wading through the possessions of 12 entire households to find my things. And because one of my Antioch teammates had been working with street children, teaching them to make stationery, um, with printing ink and tempera paints. And somewhere in all that mess, the, t- the magenta tempera paint had broken open, the powder. So as I'm wading through it, I'm, I'm, I'm t- getting on this magenta powder. So here I am picking out my family's possessions, and, um, and I've got this stuff on me. I had, a, I had a reason to pout. I had a reason to pour my heart out. I had a reason to pour my heart out when we walked by faith into Afghanistan and, and in a certain way tried to hear God the way you're learning to hear God and saw through our weakness, uh, a nation that had 400 timid, isolated believers moved to where now there's at least, conservative estimate, at least 10 times as many believers, such that really there are Afghan followers of Jesus who don't, don't, aren't, aren't propped out, up by outside resources. And to see that success and say, all right, that was amazing to be a part of it. A small part of it. And then to take that same hearing God process and and hear the Lord say, I want you to move to Iran. I want you to go among Iranians. I want you to to really, I want to stretch out what what you're believing for. And to have the very same process of hearing God head south, not be able to live in the country, a series of external things go wrong, hang on in Kuwait for about three and a half years investing in Primarily Iranians, but others. Again, this, you, you can't, I'm compressing stories. But then to have it ultimately result in, in having to leave what we thought was our identity, our family, our tribe, our calling, and come back to the U.S. And the profound loss of a sense of, I thought I knew who I was, I thought I knew my place. And to have that disappointment hit so deep. And I just want to, you know, calibrate with you. Think about it. The places in your life where you're thinking, I I was trusting God. It worked before. This time it's not working. This time it's like, whoa, who switched the price tags? That was the kind of thing that happened there. Even the disappointment of leaving New England. We thought we were going to be here. But, um, but financially, things headed south. Though we were doing all the right things. 
like, hey, I'm doing the right things, but it's actually getting worse. It took years to actually land and come out the other side. So I'm just communicating a little bit. You know, in these, in these situations, I had a choice of either pouting or panting. Look at verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, thirsts for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. My, and then verse 2 here. My, my soul cries out for God, the living God. And there's this ever upward spiral of learning. Learning from God, but this... This tutorial that when we learn from God and learn how to follow him, he's, he's really keen to make sure in our humanness we don't reduce our relationship to God to an algebraic equation. It worked this way before. These principles are in the Bible. These principles, do you know what I'm saying? He's, he's always wanting us to walk one step ahead of our understanding because he wants a living relationship with us. And that living relationship always requires a bit of vulnerability. Again, I'm just reminded of my wife and my children. Really, uh, you should talk about vulnerability. My wife, you know, two home births in a civil war in Afghanistan. Talk about faith. And I, I just want to raise the banner for introverts. You know, she's a full introvert. And you, you don't need a Hollywood personality to walk by faith. You need trust in the one who loves you. Anyway, end of, end of gush on my wife. I could do that all day. She's awesome. She's great. When I blurted out, I love you, when we were dating, she said, well, I respect you highly. So that that kind of pictures our whole, you know, comedy duo relationship, you know, the whole way. It's just been so good. I just love her so much. Well, now, look at this third verse here, you know. Um, it, there's two things going on here. The person is brokenhearted. But there's... An interloper Wi-Fi going on. Think about it. I don't have Apple. I, I did have an, an, an Apple iPhone, and then um, didn't mean to, but it turns out I joined the resistance down in Houston as far as my Android. But but on the on the iPhone when I when I got it, you know it, you know how you're driving along and it'll pop up. Hey, there's all these Wi-Fi's here that you can hop into. You know, it usually happens right when you're trying to make a phone call. And um, here you are pouring your heart out and this thing is popping up over here. Where is he? Where is he? It's the Wi-Fi of the accuser. This mysterious thing that happened before we were born. Before the history of God and man. This mysterious thing of the accusation of the heart motive of the one who created us. He's either not there or he doesn't care. That's the kind of the binary of that Wi-Fi thing. And it's going on continually. It says even in the book of Revelation, the adversary, that's, that's, that's another way of saying the word Satan. Satan actually means adversary. It doesn't mean, you know, you know, Harry Potter, hocus pocus, okay? It means I assert a bad motive in the one you're trusting. And the writer of the Psalms being raw, honest, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I've got evidence in this external circumstance. I've, I've got things that are like, wow, yeah. I'm forgetting right now that he's in covenant with me. And he looks me in the eye. And in the mystery of a life, he says, for better and for worse, for richer and for poorer, in sickness and in health, until the veil of this life ends and you see me face to face. In other words, death. 
Because for us to be with Christ is better by far. Paul says, I'm with you. So I want, I want that to sink in. I want that to sink in. I want that to sink in. And it's a real key lesson. Let me just do micro teaching, like, you know, opening line of two teachings. Worship and the prophetic. Worship and the prophetic. Worship begins with being thankful. And thankfulness begins with a choice. And the choice comes from awareness. Worship begins with awareness. And these are things I even teach those who are outside of Christ or thinking about it or Hey, put in a word with the man upstairs. You know, people who kind of see me. I remember I had this guy from New Jersey do that. Ah, you seems like you have a line to the man upstairs. I can't do the Jersey accent, but that kind of thing. What are you thankful for? That's the mustard seed of a vast orchard of fruit called worship that ends with the revelation of the lamb slain and the joy and the light of his his intense presence. Thankfulness is an attentiveness to the goodness of God. It's, 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 that's, that's what worship is. The prophetic 101, all I'll say, a lifestyle of encouragement sets you up to grow in being on the Wi-Fi of the real-time heart and mind of the spirit of the living God. So you want to grow in the prophetic? Grow in a lifestyle of encouragement. Encouragement basically calls out what is all that which is good and beautiful and true and right and noble and worthy of praise, all that. Those, that's the Wi-Fi you're on when this other thing is, 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 is buzzing in the background, like a, you know, like a buzz in an amplifier. Is this helpful? Is this helpful? Wow. I mean, I'll just be raw honest. At one point in this journey, and time forbids it, it took years to work out some of these disappointments. I remember at one point I was with a pastor, and this, I guess, I can remember, just a friend, and I just looked at him and I said, the book of Proverbs doesn't work. I, the, the book of Proverbs, I remember saying that. Like, they were looking at me. I'm, I'm doing it and it's not working. Yeah, it was that kind of disappointment, you know, that sorrow of I'm trying, you know. And forgetting his goodness, forgetting all the ways that even there he was good. All right, so let's look at verse 4. I'm pouring out, I'm remembering. Okay, I'll just let you read it up there. And you, you look at this verse about, boy, there was a time when I was in community. There was a time when the presence of God was here. There was a time when I kind of let out or even outright let out. I had some kind of role, some kind of place. And I'm remembering that this is very different from that last season. This is very different. And and I'm, I'm, I'm remembering it, and it was good, but why not now? And again, for some of us, that's, I know for me, regret. And again, one, another one of those Wi-Fis that pop up, you know, regret is, it's just not the, it's, it's not the communication of heaven. It's me forgetting the goodness that was there all along, you know. It's forgetting that that space of deep disappointment is the place of his deepest encounter with us. And, um... Yeah, that mountaintop thing. Um, yeah. Y'all, there's so many stories I could tell. I mean, maybe someday I should just write them down. Just You have to understand that for all the horror of Afghanistan, behind the screen, 
of Fox and CNN was an amazing openness, an amazing inquiry. In a lot of irony, in a lot of, in a lot of irony, God was the part of every conversation and it wasn't politically incorrect. It was, I mean, everything from the weather to dreams to signs to the scriptures, Taliban, widows, taxi drivers, shopkeepers, educated, uneducated. It was an unprecedented openness. Again, we just walked into it by saying yes. We weren't clever, to be totally honest. But when that season left, we had to keep hoping. And just, you can just read verse 5 up here on the screen. Hope is expectation with joy. It's, it's this. I remember this. I remember, uh, I think this was, what was her name? Lewinsky, the, the, the Clinton thing, okay? So we were over there, and that was going on. And, um, um, and there was a terrorist training camp about a mile and a half from where we lived because as the Taliban lost some of their best leadership when they were taking over the country in that leadership vacuum, uh, Al-Qaeda said, hey, let us, let, bin Laden said, hey, let us bring in our international war- network. We'll re- refortify your forces and you'll take the country and we'll, we'll have our little, you know, our agenda to, to launch, which they did at 9-11 and all that, but um, in other ways. But I remember in all that, you know, I was, I was on a date with my two little girls, you know, horse-drawn carriage, a little, little date with juice, and we accidentally ended up in that camp. And that's a whole other story. Now I realize time's, time's limiting. But all that to say, when the cruise missiles came... You know, and we had to flee. Long story short. Sorry, guys. I know it's like, is this guy for real? What is he? Doing? I am. I'm, I am. I am a man who constantly has to choose courage to trust the Lord. That's all I am. I remember devastated in Pakistan with a bunch of other people who had to flee the cruise missile attack. You know, we weren't attacked, of course. It just blew up down the street, but. Um, and I'm sorry, why did I bring up Lewinsky? And I don't know why. I'm sorry. Maybe there's some concern. I don't know. Never mind. Keep going. But all, it happened at the same time. So, so all that to say, we're all like, we've lost everything. Everything we carefully worked for is gone. The work of the spirit, my house and its rose garden, my kids and their, and their toys, my journals. Oh, I remember this guy got up, this old timer. Um, I guess with about as much gray as I have now, and he said, he just looked at us with this gleam in his eye, and he said, this isn't the end. It's only the beginning. And you know he was right. When the smoke cleared and there was access within a few months to get back in, it took off like a J-curve. The Lord was unintimidated by cruise missiles and conspiracy theories because he saw open hearts. The hungry get their food. And he uses earthen vessels to do it. And so, yeah, like I said before, the disappointment's just a sign that the story's half over because the end of the story has to do with laughter. I've seen it too many times, and I'm starting to figure it out. Though I am too much NFP on the Myers-Briggs for my own good, everything's a mini melodrama, mini series inside of me, you know. Um, For the more STJ of you, you figure it out once, and everybody else needs to mature, you know. Um, so let's look at verse 7, because that is the place. Or verse, verse 6 here, just read it on the screen. This is the other side, right? These strange geographic references that don't mean much to us, they, they speak of a place of, I feel isolated, I feel outside, I feel, I, I feel alone. 
The redemptive purpose of loneliness is encounter with the one who never leaves you when all else do or when circumstances isolate you or when you yourself choose to withdraw across the Jordan to the lonely places because of hurt. I can't tell you how many decisions I've made that have had a heaping tablespoon or maybe a uh, a lavish pound of reaction to pain. There might be faith to make the decision, but there's maybe a, uh, a leavened ingredient of actually reacting to pain too that pushes me out more than I was needing to be. And let, let that be a word for you, you know. Lord, purify my heart. Is there, is, there, is there any motive of reaction to pain here that's driving me outside of community more than is healthy? But you'll see here in, that, that, uh, that the, the psalmist is saying, even there I'm going to remember you. Even there I'm waiting. Even there with nothing I'm waiting. And you know what happens next? Look at verse 7. Thank you, Anita. The whole scene shifts. This man is not meandering and moaning anymore. You know that word meditation simply means moan, mutter? When it says, when it says meditate on the word, it doesn't mean think one thought and empty. Think one thought and detach. It means I mutter those truths. I mutter those truths in the presence of my mess. And my emotional chemistry starts to change. That's what that word meditation in the Old Testament means. And that's what he's doing here. He's meditating the good, the bad, the beautiful, and the, the, the homely. And what happens in verse 7? Encounter. Suddenly we're in a different psalm in the same psalm. Deep calls to deep at the roar, at the thunder of your waterfalls. <laughs> King James, your water spouts. I don't know. I think of something downtown Boston made of brass. I'm not sure why. Where the ducks are. I don't know why that comes to mind. The translation I have says, the thunder of your cataracts. Of course, we're not talking about an eye cataract here. We're talking about boulders that make a place very narrow. Again, that is... The Lord is unintimidated by the constraints, the things in your life that are squeezing you. They're like, I, there's no answer here. There's no, there's no spiritual math here. There's no strength here. There's no resources here. I'm thundering right in. That's the very place where you'll see me the most. It's where the shape of God, if I can, again, he'll, that, that's a figure of speech, not literal. That, that's the shape of his, his presence in my life, his friendship with me is going to be right there. You see it in this psalmist. Whoa. He's just encountering me. He's encountering me. He's meeting me right here. He's not giving me an answer. He himself is the answer. And I can testify that that's been my experience over and over. And yeah, every now and then you're like, oh, hey, remember that thing eight years ago? Remember that thing 11 years ago? And he'll wink here. Let me just pull back a little bit of the blueprint for you. But he does it in the context of friendship, not justifying himself to me. It's all about the setup for encounter. It's all about the setup for encounter. We are a spirit and truth people. We long to know the scriptures and the power of God because through that combo, we come to him, as he says in John, the book of John. Those two things are servants to coming to him. Yeah. And then what happens, your, your complaints, your grudge, your 
thing, you know, the thing that is a thing for you. It's no longer a thorn. It's either washed away totally or it's converted to intercessory prayer. It's converted to, Lord, you're so good. You've encountered me so much. Now this thing, that it's, it's, it, it has a reality, but now it's not going to be a toxin for me. I'm praying over it. I'm praying over them. I'm praying over this. The word intercession literally means to stop between. A, a good example of that, uh, I was in Kabul, Afghanistan, in the airport, and um, we're getting on an 11-passenger airplane with our possessions, our kids, solar panels, my French press. And we get out there. Okay, we got the kids. We got the bags. Oh, my goodness. All these kids and all these bags. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I understand now why people... Okay, never mind. So then... Solar, but where's my French press? That was the prompt, you know? And then there's the A320 Airbus with the United Nations staff, charter flight going to Dubai. The bulkhead is closed, and the little cart's rolling away, and you realize, oh, no. Some of my luggage and my French press are in that Airbus. And it's wound up, you know? You know, the little turbines are turning, the Ukrainian pilot's in there, you know, or French, whatever he was. All I know to do is I need my luggage for my children and my wife. I need the French press for myself. I know what I've got to do. Okay, don't try this at Logan. But I just ran over and I stood in front of the airplane and did the international sign language. And whether it was French or Ukrainian, it doesn't matter. I knew it was a stream of expletives. You know, the little bubble with the little at sign, hashtag, you know, explain. But finally, stopping there long, finally, he opens and what do you want? My bags, you know, my stuff, my coffee, you know. Okay, they open it up. I get my stuff. I interceded. <laughs> that is the raw material of your complaint. Let's wrap up here. Be patient to roll with me here. That's the redemptive purpose of the pain and the thing that's wrong. So I just want to commission you. We'll just wrap up with verse 8 here. Look at the mood swing in a positive sense of that word. Look at the change in verse 8. By day, his steadfast love his for better and for worse, for richer and for poorer love is with me. The daily challenge, I just call it by day, I've got to navigate life. By night, I have a heart and a perception and stuff and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a process of growing. By night, his song is with me. This thing that's deeper than logic. I mean, it has logic in it, but the logic is like, like, you know, like the, the host of the communion. It's just, it's just words that host a presence, his presence. His song is with me in the night. The things I don't understand are the things that, that, um, that I'm struggling with. And by day, the things just navigating everything from the common to the sublime. And now there's a confidence from the encounter. And not an ongoing tale of being a victim. And so I want to leave you with that confidence. I believe this is the Lord speaking to you. You're called to be a people whose joy is the final proof that someone was dead but is now alive and is Lord, the fair judge with not a mean-spirited bone in his body and king and lover of our souls. That joy is contagious.
It leads to the conversations. It leads to the scriptures. It leads to discover and encounter for those we love and care for. That joy is the final word. No one can explain it, take it away. It's yours. And it's given away even if you don't mean to because people crave it. All right. Okay, I think... Why don't we all stand, all right? Is that okay? Prayer team, come up. If you don't mind. Yeah. Oh, goodness. There's so much more I could say. We don't need to look at any other scriptures. But, Lord, we, we put ourselves on the rock. And though our roof and windows might be in need of major repair, we rest on this rock of your steadfast love for us. The secure zone. Just one, it's just so good what, uh, what our sister talked about. The secure zone, the, the head spaces, the places of disorientation. Lord, let that steadfast love be underneath our processing and the confidence of encounter with you. Encounter, encounter. Yeah, this is good. This is really good. Oh, yeah, sorry, I don't need to ask for prayer teams. But I do want to ask for this. I want to ask you to position your heart now for an encounter. Your mind will be like the mezzanine or whatever the famous place is, you know, when we watch the Red Sox, whatever that section is, I can't remember. Your mind is designed in this moment Not to be mute, but to be amazed. When you have a mind, and you have a heart, you have a soul, you live in a body, with a DNA and a social security number, you are a spirit. There is a place in you too deep for English, too deep. It's the deepest part of you. The part that cries out in great joy and in great anguish, depending on what's happening. Deep is going to call to deep right now. Deep is going to call to deep. I'm going to fade out. The context is going to fade out. You're going to meet him. So if you want an encounter with him, I'm asking you to physically respond. C.S. Lewis and even St. Ignatius Loyola for all, that, for all that. They both say, hey, posture matters. Not that we're under legalism. I mean, I love being with my Heavenly Father curled up with my coffee. I, he's my dad. He's also my king. He's also the one who created me. He's the one who knows me better than my Myers-Briggs type indicator. He knows me. And so in, in this context, I'm asking, if, you want to res- if, you, if you're, you're hungry for an encounter, I want you to physically respond. I want you to come to the front, kneel where you are, stand, do something. Tell your body from your spirit body, position yourself to encounter the one who loves you so much. He proved it with scars even in his perfect resurrection body. So let's, let's, let's have an encounter now in the next five or so minutes, all right? Come forward if you need to. Just fog machine me out. I want you to respond to him.
you won't see me again, <laughs> you know, as far as today. I'm not going to analyze what you're doing. That's what I mean. I want you to see him, meet him. Vulnerably wait for what only he can do. We know the boulders. We know the crevices. We know the abyss. We know the fracture. Now let's wait in his presence for the waterfalls, the depth of his love to the depth of our souls. No one can take away or accuse in this moment. It's your moment with your Lord. Holy Spirit, that deep call to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at the thunder of your cataracts, your love and truth, cleansing and healing. Oh, yes. How good you are, Lord.